2: Today's show is brought to you in part by Indochino. Indochino is the world's most exciting made to measure menswear company. This week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $369 at Indochino.com when entering Locked On at checkout.
1: You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
2: Hey, what's up? Welcome to episode number 564 of Lockdown Raptors for Thursday, September the 12th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. Find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast, and of course, please make sure you're checking out the Locked On Podcast Network. We got team focus shows for all 30 NBA teams. We've got Locked On Fantasy Basketball if you're getting ready for your drafts. Again, I was on last week with Josh Lloyd to preview the Raptors season from a fantasy perspective. Which, I mean, I'm not much for fantasy, but. Uh, it was still a good chat with myself and Josh, so if you want to hear that, you can go to Locked On Fantasy and download that on the iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify feeds, whatever it is. Um, there's the NFL shows as well going strong. If you are interested in a team, if you're interested in the Thursday nighter between Carolina and the Bucks, make sure you're checking out uh, Locked On Panthers and Locked On Bucks on Friday to get the scoop on what went down. And uh, if you find a show on the network, please, that you want to support, subscribe, rate, review, all that good stuff. All right. On today's show, we're going to begin something of an annual tradition. I mean, continue something of an annual tradition on this podcast, where the month or so before the season starts, we dive into some. Pressing questions about the upcoming Raptors season. This will be preseason cre- pressing question number one. And joining me to talk about said question as well as some other stuff is uh, Raptors HQ's ranking aficionado. I don't know. The, the, it's the guy who wrote the post about the rankings and aggregation. It's John Godis. John, how are you, man?
3: It feels good to be back aggregating stuff. I'm good. <laughs> how are you?
2: I'm good. How is... uh? How are the rankings this year? The SI rankings, which everyone loves to get super mad about, which I cannot possibly fathom yeah. right now, like, considering the Raptors are championship winners, and I, I do not I can't imagine caring about that stuff right now.
3: Yeah, this offseason has definitely been like I don't have any stress really. We won the championship. Whatever happens next season happens. Uh after free agency it was just like this is it. And now this is officially like the first time where I've actually done something on the site in like three months and (laughs) people are mad about it and that's usually how it goes this time of year people want something to be mad about they want to feel something i think at this point Mm -hmm. it's like september we're not quite into training camps and people actually coming back to teams it's really like this three-week period before october starts is probably the worst from an nba fan perspective there's the world cup but you either really care about that or you really don't. Mm-hmm. So I officially, this is the worst part of the off season season, which is what I call it in the piece, which is ranking season, yeah. which is going to be, there's the sports illustrated one and there's going to be the ESPN one in some form and people are going to get mad and people are very mad that uh, sports illustrated ranked Kyle Lowry, number 28. Mm-hmm. So I guess we could talk about that.
2: Sure. We can take some time on it. Uh, First of all, what are the people the maddest about? I know there was Kyle at 28. Below noted person that Kyle beat in the conference finals, Chris Middleton. There was uh, Fred VanVleet not making the list at all. What was the thing, A, that people are most mad about? People with dick finger uh, air quotes. And uh, what is the thing that you're most mad about as a person who very much cares about these rankings?
3: Uh I can't say I'm really mad about anything. I'm kind of surprised that Marc Gasol finished so high. Um mm. and maybe we'll talk about him a little bit later. Somebody who might be on the radar for people to trade this year. He's on a one-year contract, but the top 50 seem pretty high for Marc Gasol. And I guess if you want to get into, you know, Kyle Lowry being low at 28, I think you could make an argument that maybe he is, although um I would you know uh, consider him probably somebody who takes a little bit lesser role this year., uh, there's not as much being played for. Uh, he's gonna be a big time trade candidate. so I don't know. like this is what makes rankings so dumb. Like <laughs> the numbers are so arbitrary, and the reasoning is so, you know how they feel about it. and it's not like they're spending all summer with a whiteboard, like, oh my god, what if we put Kyle Lowry <laughs> below Chris Middleton? What are people going to think about this? Like, it's just, it's totally up to them, and, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. And, yeah, I don't have strong feelings about it either way. But I guess you could make the argument that it might be a little bit low, considering how well he played in the finals.
2: Yeah, definitely. I would say it's a bit low, but also I don't care. Uh, and again, he's a champion, so who gives a damn? I, I have I tweeted a little bit about this yesterday, but I've kind of become a rings guy Where, like, I'm just, like, obnoxious in that you could disparage anything that a Raptor player does, in particular Kyle Lowry, and I will just quickly counter with, uh, oh, but he has a ring. Who cares? That's all that matters. (laughs) And uh, I guess that's how you become a rings guy, is you see your team win a title. I guess we know the origin story for all the most obnoxious Lakers fans, I suppose. Um Yeah. yeah. The thing about that I noticed about the rankings this year, and first of all, it should be noted that uh, in the past, they have been done by Ben Golliver and Andrew Sharp, or just Ben Golliver, who I, I love their podcast. It's great. I do think they kind of attempt to piss people off sometimes with the way they rank, which is part of their charm. I like it. It's a good thing. Uh, ben Gulliver's beef with Raptors fans is hilarious, and his DeMar DeRozan rankings were continuously a source of fun content. Um, but this year, it's Rob Mahoney, and what I found this year is that I don't care so much about the rankings. Like, again, it's all very arbitrary. It's so hard to rank 100-plus very good players, and ultimately it doesn't matter for anything. But I found the writing was just lovely this year because Rob Mahoney fucking rules and wrote some very good stuff about these guys. In particular, the Marcus Saul passage was very nice and sort of, I think, in a way that is hard to do, summed up the importance of Marcus Saul to last year's Raptors team because his offensive numbers were so... Uh, diminished because he took uh, you know a backseat in the offense people maybe look at him and go huh he wasn't that good but uh that's not the way smart people watch basketball and Rob Mahoney is very much a smart person and I thought he summed up the the effect of Gasol and Kyle Lowry as well in a, in a very good way so that was the thing I got I was like oh actually like reading this thing in a way I haven't really in the past not to say Golliver or Sharp don't do a good job with them but I just think Mahoney is on kind of a different level in terms of like explaining basketball in like an engaging way. Yeah. So uh, that was the thing I took away. Fred Van Vliet not being in the top 100 was a real source of contention for Raptors fans. I don't necessarily disagree with the decision to keep him out of the top 100. Look, Terrence Ross is number 99. I'm very happy he's there. Could Fred VanVleet be in that spot for Terrence Ross? Maybe. Would I argue for that? Probably not, because I want Terrence Ross on the list. Uh, I'm biased, of course, but I don't know. Did you have any sort of feelings about Fred being out of there? Because I do feel like there's a little bit of recency bias with Fred in that, yes, he was amazing for the last like eight games of the playoff run, nine games of the playoff run, but he was pretty ass for the first part of the playoffs and was not very good in the regular season either. And to count on him going 14 of 17 from three all the time over stretches of 17 three pointers, which would be a strange arbitrary endpoint, uh, is probably not very realistic for him in the regular season. I don't know. Where, where were you at about Fred being out of the top 100?
3: Oh, definitely. I think your reasoning there is really good. I think that there is, um, definitely an, uh, a piece of this where the writers of the top 100 want to kind of talk about, you know, sexier players, somebody like Terrence Ross is an interesting player to write about because Orlando is the team that's supposed to take a step this year and be, you know, a uh, top five to uh, six team in the Eastern conference. And that position is one where, you know, they need to get better in. So Terrence Ross is an interesting guy to write about. Uh, you're right. I mean, Fred Van Vliet was this monstrous figure, For eight or nine games in the playoff run, and he kind of recedes to the role he was in last year, more or less, with a little bit more ball touches. But, uh, you know, as a top 100 guy, somebody who you want to write about in, like, this kind of zenith of NBA talk, and you want to talk about 100 interesting players, I don't think he kind of fits that conversation, Mm -hmm. you know, personally. I think he's a really good player but if I was writing a top 100 list and you had to make me pick between somebody like Terrence Ross on the back end of that list and somebody like Fred Van Vliet, I could have more to write about about Terrence Ross because I think that it, you know a lot of people aren't talking about the Raptors right now because everyone just kind of agrees on kind of where they're going to be at this year they're going to be very good but not as good as last year and people are more kind of inclined to talk about the teams that are going to be looking very different or are young and expected to take a big next step
2: yeah, those Magic are very sexy for some reason to people. Uh, they kind of seem like the same team as last year a little bit, but with more I think yeah. more think forwards are turned on to
3: the defense. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Like they got another Farouk Aminu to add to their collection of Farouk Aminus. Okay, cool. Uh, <laughs> No, they'll be they'll be fine. I'm sure they'll. I
3: heard a lot of our Orlando Magic talk though, and I'm a little confused by it too. But I think that they're just an interesting team to think about. I guess when you're, people are very set on the top of the Eastern Conference, and I yeah. think you know everyone wants to make an argument for who's going to round it out.
2: I am. Uh, they're my favorite Chris Paul team. I will say that. Like not even close. They're my favorite Chris Paul team. They should get that done because that would rule.
0: No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. getting you every credit and deduction you deserve. They'll file with 100% accuracy and get you your max refund guaranteed. So, switch to TurboTax. Make your moves. They'll make them count. See guarantee details at TurboTax.com guarantees. Experts only available with TurboTax Live.
2: Um, We're not here to talk about Chris Paul or the magic, but we could do that, I suppose, <laughs> if we wanted to. It's September 12th. Um, We're here to get into the big pressing questions leading into this Raptors season, which is a a season that will, in many ways, be less sort of predictable than last year was, but in also some ways not be quite as interesting, because obviously there was a lot of intrigue around the title contending team all year with Kawhi and everything, but... Because it's so new and different from what last year's team was, I think there's some interesting stuff. And also the contract situations of some guys make things pretty interesting. And that leads us to question number one in our series of pressing questions leading into this season. Number one is, will one of the vets get traded? And if so, who is the first to go? And John handpicked this topic himself. I think I'll just let the guest pick the topic as we go through these pressing questions. That seems like a pretty good idea to limit my workload. Uh, (laughs) So, John, let's get to the question. Will one of these guys be traded this year? Will any of them be traded at all? And if so, who do you think will be traded first?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting thing to think about for the Raptors because I think from the larger NBA conversation, there's these three guys who are, you know, a Unrestricted at the end of the season, and Kyle Lowry, uh, Serge Ibaka, and Marc Gasol, who are on these big deals, but I would say that for the big guys, definitely movable deals in the context of the current NBA. Like a, a mid-$20 million contract is very movable uh, for teams who want to get better or are trying to unload some stuff, and Masai Ujiri is definitely somebody who would make a move mid-season if it meant, you know, the team isn't playing up to snuff if there is just a need to reset and kind of uh, pick up draft picks, pick up expiring, stuff like that to kind of reset quicker. This whole timetable of, like, the three years with all these guys is part of the reasoning is to have this opportunity to make a midseason trade and not have too many uh, repercussions for it. Mm -hmm. I think everybody is talking about Kyle Lowry, but I think Serge Ibaka is definitely somebody who... Teams will come calling about just as a veteran player I don't think you know given the playoff run that he had I don't think he's going to shoot himself in the foot with his play early on in the year I think he kind of gives what he gives and he's a very good regular season player mm-hmm. uh and I think fits the role nicely and now that they're kind of settled there was that it wasn't that long last season where that the Raptors were settled in Marcus all starting and Serge Ibaka being the backup they only mm-hmm. had really like a month of regular season time, and then the playoffs where that was a thing. So I think Serge is selling that role. He's going to play well. He's probably going to be an enticing trade prospect, and I would not be surprised, given the Raptors' depth at that position, um, the fact that if they can get the right deal, they don't necessarily need him in a playoff situation. Uh, I would expect that he would be my top guy as a potential trade target. There's not that sentimentality, I think, with Kyle Lowry. Although Ujiri will make any deal, I think there is you know, some sentimentality with Lowry that you want to keep him and have him retire as a Raptor.
2: Yeah, I'm with you there. I don't think Kyle's going to get traded this year. I think in a perfect world, they would keep him for two, three years beyond this year on a reasonable deal. Uh, Keep him for five years. I don't care. Make him Andre Miller for the rest of his life with the Raptors. I don't give a damn. Just make him a Raptor. Um, I think I agree with you that if someone is going to get traded, Serge seems like the most... Reasonable piece. I'm just trying to think of like a team that it could work for, and there are some out there for sure. I think the Celtics are going to be in on the hunt for a big man like all season long because their front court is ass, and I think they'll realize right quick that Enos Cantor, despite Bill Simmons on his podcast saying actually he's pretty good at defense, uh, he's not pretty good at defense, and I think Serge Ibaka no. will eventually sort of be a guy, you know, considering he's a center at this point he's not a power forward and they'd be trading for him as a center to pair along with their their collection of wings that could potentially work and yeah he's like a proven playoff guy and everything now too i know he's had some issues shooting wise but also the raptors don't win the title without him um and never forget the three he hit in ben simmons eye in game seven against the sixers which is the second biggest shot of that game and probably a top five big shot from the course of the playoff run. He has some pedigree now. He's very likable, it seems, and it seems like teams would not like worry about breaking up chemistry or anything like that to take him on as well. Um, I can actually see like the Clippers as well being an interesting team because their front court is kind of depleted. They don't really have a center. And if you're the Clippers and you're trying to think of, like, what do we look like in the playoffs... Do you want Montrezl Harrell being your only center? And, like, I don't think Avika Zubac is really going to be able to stay on the floor against most teams. So maybe if they could cobble together some contracts there, that would be an interesting thing. Obviously, him and Kawhi have a good relationship as well. Um, That's a location that makes sense for me, too. I, I, I agree that Serge is probably the easiest guy. He's got the smallest contract of him, Gasol, and Lowry as well. It makes some sense. However, I think I'd bet against anyone getting traded. I don't think it's going to happen. There are a few reasons why. One, I think... The Raptors are going to be very good. I think they're going to, like, people have said, you know, 44, 45. Like, I think the over-under is 44.5 right now this team is winning 50 games. It's the goddamn Raptors. They've gone over their total for eight years running and, like, Kyle Lowry drives winning, Pascal Siakam drives winning, Marc Gasol drives winning. They're going to be really good on defense. They're going to be probably a top five to six defense in the league and that's going to lead to a lot of wins in a pretty shitty Eastern Conference with a lot of teams to beat up on at the bottom and I just, I don't see how this team doesn't just end up 51 and 31. That feels like it's the most 51 and 31 team I've ever seen, probably. Um, they are going to be like maybe in the position to talk themselves into winning even two rounds, depending on how the matchups break and all this stuff. We'll see how the Sixers and Bucks come together. Um, both, I think probably got worse in aggregate from what they were last year. Although the Sixers probably have a higher upside than they did last year. I like the Raptors are going to be right there. Like, And the only way I see them really trading guys is if they're hanging around like a little bit below 500 and it doesn't make much sense to keep the guys for the rest of the season. But there's value in another playoff run. There's value in keeping it all together for one more run to see what you got and to sort of give Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, another run through the playoffs to sort of hone their craft and whatnot. And I just don't think there's going to be that much incentive to move those guys, especially if you're in the Eastern Conference and you're like competing with the Celtics or whatever other team might need a Serge Ibaka or a Marcus Saul or a Kyle Lowry. I don't see—and maybe they'll just be ghoulish and they'll be like the Atlanta Hawks were, where they're just like, fuck it, we'll trade everybody, it doesn't matter. But I just don't think that's going to be the case. I think they're going to be too good to justify it. And also, there's all like, oh yeah, you can get stuff before they walk for nothing— Sure, but there's also the the case of just like I don't think there's going to be that much to really get in particular for Gasol and Ibaka because their contracts are so expensive because the team the list of teams that would be after those guys is probably still pretty limited and whether they could get something better on the market I think that's probably the case um, maybe they'll be like big fish hunting in terms of like Bradley Beal or something like that. And I just, I don't think you're going to fetch much more than like a crappy first rounder or like a couple seconds and like maybe like a young flyer type player. Lowry to me is the only guy who could definitely fetch you a first rounder from a team that really wants to go all in if you're like the Nuggets or something. But even then, it's not a particularly good first round pick. And what's that really getting you in the long run? And. Like the cap space those guys are going to create by coming off the books, the 90 or so million plus whatever Fred's contract is, it's going to be like $100 million off the books next summer. That is valuable to the Raptors. They can use that to, A, acquire players via free agency. I know it's a shitty free agent class, but it's still a possibility. There's RFAs, there's whatever. They could, you know, throw a bunch of money at some guy if they really, really want to sort of put a team in a tough spot. And they can use it to take on bad money as well and set themselves up for 2021 and take in assets that way. So it's not like they have to go trade for stuff to fill that cap space like that cap space is valuable and that cap space is created by having a of Gasol and Lowry onto the roster till the end of the season. So those are the reasons why I just don't think it's going to happen and I don't think any of them are going to get traded. But I don't know, John, do you disagree with that at all?
3: Uh, yeah, I mean, I hear just a lot of chatter about Kyle Lauer getting traded, and I just firmly don't believe that that's going to happen. Like, yeah. like what I said, with the sentimentality reason, and you bring up all the basketball reasons too, and I totally agree with that. Um, he's definitely the guy who's going to fetch you stuff, but I think that, you know, and I've said this over and over again, and I've been on podcasts with you in different forms for like three years now, but breeding, winning breeds winning. Yeah. Uh, when you're looking at free agents, when they have $100 million coming off the off the books when there's kind of an opportunity for a bridge year where some of these guys are now at the age especially the high paid guys who will take a smaller deal if they want to stay with the team um you have that opportunity to bridge to a better uh class in 2021 just Mm -hmm. with sticking with the roster you have and the raptors are so deep at all the three positions of the the uh, veteran guys that if they were to walk for nothing i don't see it as this big, you know, loss for the team. I think that if Serge walks for nothing or if Gasol walks for nothing, you won a championship. And I mean twenty million dollars walking for nothing and not getting a crappy pick for it, I don't really care about that. Like, we won a championship. And if there is gonna be this opportunity for a bridge year as opposed to trading one of these guys, I think you go for it. If somebody gets hurt and the year goes into the tank like right out of the gate and I don't see that happening then I would see that the trades become more likely. But I think that these are guys who, I agree, you want to keep them around, see what happens next summer. Uh, It's a really interesting summer from the Raptors' perspective in that you have an opportunity to do a hard reset or do a bridge or, you know, whatever you want to do when you have $100 million coming off. It's a really smartly built team. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm curious to see what they would do with that if all these guys continue on. But, yeah, I mean, Serge would be the tradable guy if you know things don't go well or if they just want to bank in for one of these guys um Mm -hmm. yeah it it is an interesting conundrum for this team this year but i think that there's going to be more talk generally uh about the like uh, the likelihood of a raptors player getting traded from the general nba community but i think that knowing this team it is um it would surprise me for Mm -hmm. sure
1: the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up
2: development has to do with all this because I think there's like a bit of a wait and see thing that should be going on right now I think he's going to be very good I don't think he's going to take that much of a step back Uh, I've talked about it on this show I think you know the 63 true shooting is not going to happen but if he falls back to 57 58 with a much higher usage then I still think that's an extremely good player who's going to be an all-star and probably average like 23 and 8 or something crazy like that um like How do you think, if you were Masai Ujiri, how would you be looking at Pascal and sort of using his development to inform what you're going to do with the trades and then also next summer?
3: Yeah, and I think that that ties into wanting to keep all these three veterans for the whole year because it gives you more of a sample size to see what you're getting in Siakam as a focal point of the offense. Yeah. I mean, 25 games last year, the Raptors were an incredibly good team without Kawhi Leonard in the lineup. My only concerns with this team, really, I think they're going to be, like you said, a 50-win team in the regular season. My concerns are with, you know, you get into a series like the Philadelphia series last year, or even with Orlando at times, where you just don't have somebody who you can throw the ball to and get a bucket when things slow down. I think the Raptors, you know, kind of went through their paces and having a really hard time offensively at different points in the playoffs last year, and Kawhi was there to bail them out. Um, But I don't have a concern with this team in the regular season, and I think that handing the keys to Pascal full-time is going to bear the same kind of fruit, and maybe even more than the games that they played without Kawhi last year, which, again, were universally fun to watch. There was even a time there last year where we were talking about how the team was more fun to watch when Kawhi wasn't playing, as they kind of figured out how he was going to be the leader of the offense, how they were going to balance him in. Um, It was a very fun team to watch, and I think it's going to be the same thing this year. Uh, uh, Trading one of those guys kind of rids you of a 40-game sample of seeing what Siakam is like as that guy, Mm -hmm. and he's somebody who you've now invested money in on an extension, and I think that Especially in keeping Marcus all somebody who opens up the offense for all these young guys, is kind of key for this team to unlock their potential offensively and just make life easier for Siakam and allow him to become a focal point and ease into it as opposed to, you know, having things blown up around him because we've seen players who have who that's happened to and haven't progressed as quickly.
2: <coughs> Devin Booker. Um... <laughs>
3: That's the first guy I thought
2: of. Yeah, that's really funny. Um, Yeah, I think Pascal's important this year because if he becomes – say he, like, overshoots expectations. That might even sort of accelerate what they're thinking for next summer with all that money coming off the books. Whether Lowry sticks around or not, like, I I feel safe in saying that this is probably the last year Gasol and Ibaka will both play with the team. I don't think they'll keep him around long-term because of their ages and just because it feels like – they could cycle in. Centers feel a little bit more sort of... I think as Kevin Arnovitz has called them, it's like the mercenary position. You can find centers all over the place. Yaka yeah, Pertles an RFA next summer, baby. Bring it back. Uh, what, was, what, was, what the hell is their nickname again? Him and Pascal? was
3: that? Did they have a nickname? Oh, my God. I don't remember.
1: Oh,
2: maybe I'm remember. making that up in my brain. But anyway, uh, bring back Yak. Uh, <laughs> yak and skills. That's what it was. It was not anything special. It was just their two nicknames together yep. with an ampersand. Um, but, like... The, the free agent class next year sucks, but the RFA class is kind of interesting. And so you have Bogdan Bogdanovich, who is tearing it up at the FIBAs right now and might be kind of marginalized in Sacramento next season because of Harrison Barnes and because of Buddy Heald, who was also an RFA. Uh, God, I wish De'Aaron Fox was an RFA, because throw him all the money he rules so hard um Jalen Brown's an RFA next summer and then DeJounte Murray is as well if maybe that's a way you want to sort of go about your point guard issues if if Kyle moves on or you need someone to sort of fill in for Kyle and Kyle moves to more of a backup role Um, like it's an interesting RFA class in that if you're trying to set yourself up for 2021 and Giannis is your target or whoever else is going to be available whether it's Paul George whether it's whatever it is I wonder if like next summer, instead of using that cap space to like take on contracts and take on picks at the same time, if maybe they use it to sort of build up a supporting cast that a star could walk into, sort of send it around Siakam and do that via RFA. And because of like the, the cap space they'll have, maybe they'll get into a situation where they're throwing bad money at guys and you get yourself into trouble that way. But I wonder if, like, if OG pops and Norm Powell can have a decent season and Terrence Davis sort of pops and Pascal proves that he can be, like, close to an actual number one guy on a very, very good team. I wonder if that accelerates what they do next summer as opposed to just hanging tight and just, like, going into 2021 with a blank slate. Maybe they try to lock in one of these interesting uh, RFA guys. What do you think about that?
3: Yeah, like I said, there is just so many options with this team. Like, it's great. besides good at his job. Off. Holy you, shit, you... he's so good. <laughs> I know it's tremendous. like you win a championship and then within a year you have this opportunity to totally reform your roster and still have these young guys who you have one who's, you know, probably going to be an all-star if not this year, then the next. And it's just a great position to be in. And like I said, there's been no stress for me this summer. They won the title. (laughs) I feel good going into this year about this being a really good team again. I think that it's just going to be fun to watch all season where they're the defending champs. And I don't see a reason to really stress over, you know, the trade market, over what happens next summer. I think that the team is in good hands and there are just so many options on the table that they're gonna make the right move for yeah. the team.
2: Yeah, I would hope Masai I know I know he's not really one for sentimentality, although I think that given his like embrace of Kyle Lowry and the way he talks about Kyle now. I think it can be sort of thrown out that he has no sentimentality. I think he does it. He has it for certain guys, and Kyle's definitely one of them. And I would hope that that sentimentality that I hope they sort of observe this year will sort of be imbued into Messiah a little bit because, look, man, there's not that much pressure on him right now. And there are so many options that even if he could just like stance Pat doesn't trade anybody. Like I just ran through, there are plenty of options next summer that they can go and try out. And if they strike out on RFAs or whatever, they still have 2021 coming up with a ton of cap space that maybe they've used as a backup plan to bring in other assets or whatever it is. And so I just think... I mean, more than anything else, honestly, the reason I don't want these guys traded is for the sentimentality. I would like to watch this team defend a title and be, like, old and have a chip on their shoulders and have, like, this, like, fuck you mentality that comes from losing your star after winning a title and not having any pressure whatsoever. Like, Kyle's going to not care. Gasol's not going to care. Ibaka's going to be doing cooking shows all year. Like, it's just going to be a really fun-ass team and it would be a real bummer if in January they they decide, oh, this fun-ass team is only on pace for 44 wins, which I don't think will be the case, but say that happens, let's break this thing up for the sake of some low picks. That feels like a bummer to me. I'd rather just watch a full season after last year, which was so pressure-filled and under such a time constraint and just like the clock was ticking from the moment they traded for Kawhi and you never stopped hearing that ticking inside your ear canal. I would like for a season to just have zero stakes, and I know that's not how this thing works. And I know that Masai is very competitive and will always do the things that are best for him to win. But I think a there's an argument that just standing pack is standing pat is the best like method of winning right now and having success down the road. And b like I just think there has to be something that sort of cuts into your ghoulishness. And if it's a, if a title is not that thing that I don't know what is. And I, I just, I don't think Masai is going to be just like straight up donk on about this. You know, I think he's going to have some feelings about it, which I hope he does because this, if there's a team worthy of feelings, it's this one for sure.
3: Yeah. I mean, the NBA is so unpredictable that really like the only reason I'd want to see these guys traded because I agree with you is if there's some super mega duper star that you could, you know, is unhappy and you can trade for. And, yeah. There's always going to be somebody, so you know what we'll see how this plays out. But again, it goes back to having that flexibility and that being a great opportunity for this team.
2: Yeah, all of this entire uh, podcast episode having been said, if they can trade Serge Ibaka, OG Anunoby, and Terrence Davis for Bradley Beal, fucking do it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Joey Cash was talking about that on Pound the Rock yesterday. I'd very much like for that to happen. That would be cool. Bradley Beal rules and would be extremely good next to Pascal that's kind of a terrifying partnership um i don't know any parting shots here john before we wrap this thing up
3: no i mean i think that i'm feeling really positive right now and (laughs) talk to me when i'm tweeting through it when they lose like game eight of the season to somebody (laughs) but uh it's it's like right now you're at like peak optimism like at my job with uh the university teams we have like 15 different starts and right before the, each and every like, start of the season, I'm like, we can win it all this year. <laughs> and uh, that's how I feel like with the Raptors. There's just boundless optimism before uh, the season starts. And I felt that way about the Bears before last Thursday, too. And now I realize that uh, it's not happening. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, until I start tweeting through it, if the Raptors are perfect. Never change them. Yeah, I fear
2: this podcast is going to be terribly agreeable all year, and it's not going to make for terribly good listening just because everyone's going to be happy and just like, yeah, who cares? They won the title. And we'll see how that uh, that re- reflects the listenership. But it's going to be a very, uh, as I've called it all summer and going into the season, it's going to be a very Hakuna Matata year, I think. There's just not that much to be worried about. Pascal is going to be so fun. That's, that just on its own is enough to make this season something to look forward to, I think. Exactly. All right, John, this was fun. Thank you for uh, taking the time out in the middle of the dregs of September. Uh, I promise I'll never have you talk about rankings ever again. Um, Speaking of rankings, Ranking Every Raptor is coming out (laughs) very soon. I think either tomorrow or Monday. depends how much work I get done tonight and tomorrow morning. Um, But keep an eye out for that. Uh, John, I just plugged my work before I allowed you to plug your work. Uh, Go ahead and plug your work.
3: Uh, aggregating at rapid hq uh until we do player previews i guess coming up and media day and all that fun stuff so you know aggregation until then but the fun stuff is coming
2: the bane of brian windhorse's existence the aggregation uh gotta love there's been a lot of references to other nba podcasts on today's show sorry about that i've been listening to too much round ball rock uh that's that's not possible it's the best nba podcast Anyway, that's the last NBA podcast I'll reference today. Uh, please subscribe, rate, review, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, this podcast. John is on Twitter at – is it just at John Gotis? Is there an underscore in there?
3: Nope, just yeah. at John Gotis.
2: Right on. Uh, follow John. Follow our, all other stuff for Raptors HQ. Keep an eye out for Ranking Every Raptor. If you still have not yet purchased We the Champs, you can do that at your bookstores or on uh, – whatever online book orderings. Do it at Indigo. Don't do it at Amazon. Amazon's evil, um, even though they sell the book at a nice discounted rate. You can also go to Costco, I think. It's still in Costco for an extremely discounted rate. Uh, that's going to do it, though. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will talk to you either Friday or Monday. We'll see you with another episode of Locked On Raptors.
1: Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music.